Hello, and welcome to the Seeking Health Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer. And I'm Jiska. We were missionaries for seven years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. Right now, I'm a Christian, but not an evangelical. And I'm an agnostic. And we are deconstructing. And reconstructing together. together. Listen to some of our key episodes, such as Deconstructing Together, Domestic Abuse, I Am a Survivor, The Cult of ATI Part 1 and 2, and Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. together. So today, I came across an Instagram post that triggered a memory. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to talk about this because this memory was from this winter when we had a whole bunch of things break in the house. And... Um, we had a toilet overflow right. and half the house, like we had to remove all the flooring and redo all the flooring and some of the, the bathroom completely and walls. And then we had the kids left a tap on the bathroom upstairs and the leak through the floors and we had to change that. And it was just like, that's just two instances, but it was like quite a few little things, yeah. some big and some small, but it just added up to feeling like, oh, like this inner voice inside of me was already like, this is because you're bike sliding. Ha ha. Like <laughs> kind of voice. And I'm like, this is dumb. Like just, I mean, you often get these voices as mm-hmm. you walk away from the church and you have to silence them or rewrite them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was like right as we were in the midst of our deconstruction and we had like such a run of bad luck. Yeah. And it wasn't, those two things weren't like it wasn't numerically a lot of things but they were really really big things huge flood we had to remodel we had to it was like this it was a lot of work it was just a lot and mentally it just felt like worn down like what next come on especially when we had a second flood it was just like not again yeah (laughs) yeah it just felt like a lot and at that time i had a friend make a comment kind of like a joke but it wasn't a joke mm-hmm. said in a joking way that wasn't a joke kind of like if this keeps happening you should consider going back to church mm-hmm. and she left and like that comment hit me like a ton of bricks because yeah. i was like what the fuck like mm-hmm. if this is what god does i don't want to do anything with that i'd rather go to hell than serve a god that punishes me like this because i'm trying to heal myself and find myself and Mm -hmm. (laughs) finding freedom like no fucking way um and it's just one of those moments and comments that probably this person wouldn't remember Mm -hmm. but to me it was extremely significant yeah uh it pushed me even further away from church (laughs) but it could have had the opposite reaction if she had said it a few months sooner maybe if if she had said it sooner, if it had been a different person, different situation. I mean, by this point, you had already done a lot of work on yourself. We were already pretty far down the journey. So it just kind of pushed you further away. Yeah. But it was like a tactic or part of the religion that was like trying to grab you and pull you back. Is that fair? And it would have worked for somebody else. For sure. And it just, it just made me think how that's like, that's manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I went looking, I wanted to write about this on my Instagram, uh, Seeking Health podcast Instagram post, um, where I share different memories that come up to mind, come to mind and stuff. And so I went looking for a picture to use and I came across this article Mm -hmm. about, um, well, what is it called? Like seven myths, um, seven signs God is trying to grab your attention. This is faithinthenews.com. Yeah. If you would like the website. Yep. Faithinthenews.com. That has nothing to do with news. <laughs> Seven signs God is trying to grab your attention. And I was like, oh, fuck. What are they trying to say? Like, I was kind of curious, <laughs> though, too. Like, I'm I'm a, over a year out and I'm like from leaving and kind of really stepped back from it and can take a can read things and kind of see a bit more through it, you know, like not, it doesn't have the same mental, emotional, spiritual hold that I used to have to read those words. So I went looking for it and then I skimmed it and I sent it to Josiah and I was like, we need to podcast about this. (laughs) And he was like, wow, that's crazy. And he's like, sorry, you had to read that. It must be like, you must be affected by this. Like, no, I'm not because I only skimmed it. But isn't this very common in the church? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, okay, I thought so. And I didn't yeah. think I was exaggerating it. Yeah. So we wanted to talk through those seven signs that God is trying to grab your attention. So before we do, 
my mental space is thinking about abuse and narcissism because I was recording a TikTok this morning. And then when I saw this, it was just like, oh, this is so, so much the same thing. Because the more, like my journey out of the church was healing from domestic abuse and narcissism. Yeah. And then the more I understood narcissism and how narcissists abuse people and draw them into their circle and force them back and, and trap them and suck their energy, the more I realized the church is very similar, at least the churches yeah. I've been part of. They have a lot of similar dynamics. Um, they harbor abusers. They protect abusers. They, you know, they make a safe space for abusers. They push victims out. Um, and all these things we're going to talk about... Um, this would all fit all the system, all the um, patterns that narcissistic abusers use. Yeah. Is what he's using here. Yeah. So I was reading that and I was like, you are going to know exactly <laughs> the right terminology from all your studying and reading and learning about narcissism mm -hmm. to apply to this. Yeah. I just knew you would. Yeah. I was like, okay, I have all these terms that go around my head, but I can't often like put them to specific situations, mm -hmm. that's where you come in. But I knew reading it that it was classic narcissist type pull yeah. and abuse. And the um, the overarching word here is hoovering. Like uh, the hoover vacuum is where this term comes from. But when, when a, a victim or a survivor starts to move away from a narcissist, say a woman is getting away from her narcissistic relationship, finally starting to spread her wings and get some friends and get out from under that terrible abuse, then there's different tactics that the abuser will use to beat her down and destroy her, her progress and try and pull her back. And that's called hoovering. And that's what he's doing here. That, that's the overarching thing. But then there's all these specific tactics that he's using. And again, this is not specific to this one author. Oh, it's very common. <laughs> and this it's article. Very common. Exactly. We're just using this one. As yeah. a way to start. <laughs> All right. So number one, how can you tell if God's trying to, quote unquote, God is trying to get your attention? Your friends will... Oh, wait. Can... No. What? what? Your real friends. Ah. I was reading <laughs> oh, the title. The title. <laughs> <laughs> your real friends will confront you. Your real friends will tell you the truth. And it's not always what you want to hear, but the Proverbs teach faithful are the wounds of a friend profuse are the kisses of an enemy so sometimes god will send friends into your life who are trying to get your attention over something you're doing if a friend sees a friend living in sin and says nothing then that person is not really their friend <laughs> Sorry, did i add too much drama to it <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so first of all, this technique of saying there's this group of people over there and they're the good people and you want to be part of that group, that's called a bandwagon argument. Come on, join the bandwagon. Um, I'm not going to dwell on that a whole lot, but it comes up quite a few times. Um, and also, um, there's this <clears throat> term called flying monkeys that an abusive person will, because when the relationship gets difficult, he won't always have access to his victim. So he'll recruit other people. And this is a very common thing that people use. Is it comes from the Wizard of Oz. Sorry if I'm talking too much. I'm just very excited about this. You're not. Okay. Um, <laughs> in the Wizard of Oz, the, the, the wicked witch of the West has these flying monkeys that she sends out to do her bidding. And they torment and they confuse and they try and push people back to the wicked witch. And so that's the tactic that's being used here. Maybe your pastor can't get access to you, but he's saying he's in a sense, recruiting people that he doesn't even know, but he's like, if there's anybody out there and they say something, he's going to use that and recruit them as flying monkeys to now, anytime somebody says something to you, well, that's a real friend. And now that's going to push you back mm. into the orbit of the church or this pastor. And it's saying that a friend that um, wounds you mm -hmm. <laughs> to bring you back to the fold is your real friend. And the others are like, the kisses of an enemy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, and it, it feels very much um, like you can't leave the circle because you're all keeping an eye on each other to make sure each other doesn't fall into sin and sin is dictated by whatever specific group you're in. Mm -hmm. um, and you're all checking in on each other to make sure nobody 
changes past this circle. Yeah. So you don't have that freedom. Like, mm-hmm. so <laughs> if you try to leave that circle, then it's God trying to get your attention. Yeah. Like it. Well, it's a, what you're describing is a fear-based system. And this, yes, fear-based. you know, like this happened in communism, for example, that there was a, such a culture of everybody would report on everybody else that everybody was terrified. Right. And then nobody would want to share anything. And then, and then everybody would start to report others just to prove that they weren't the bad one. Mm. And and you can have workplaces like that where everybody's reporting on everybody else and nobody trusts anybody and it's all toxic and, and fear-based. Or you can have churches like that. Yeah. And some churches specifically create that kind of culture because it's an easy way to control people. Yeah. Secondly, the word convicts you. Students of the Bible. Again, there's this bandwagon. Here's the true people. Students of the Bible <laughs> is this group of people that you want to know. Okay, students of the Bible know that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, etc., etc. And the word of God exposes us all as guilty before God. Nothing is hidden from him. Hebrews, the same reference. So if you read some Bible verses that really convict you deeply, God may be trying to tell you something and using his own written word to do it. Whatever it was that convicted you may be what God is trying to get your attention for. Wow. (laughs) That feels like gaslighting. Like, is that what that is? Gaslighting? Like, I don't know. Just that that conviction. It's like it could just be the inside voice that they put in you. Well, exactly. That inside voice that says, oh, I can't question this because that's against the, the, the religious group I'm in. It can just be that inside voice that they programmed into you. Mm -hmm. And now it becomes God's conviction. Yes. And that's what I thought is who gets to tell you what the Bible says? Yeah. Like as I'm reading this, I'm imagining a pastor who's also a father who's probably writing this to one of his kids (laughs) or to one of his parishioners. Like that's just kind of what I, I don't know this person, but that's what I'm imagining. And I'm thinking like, if, if you're somebody who's struggling with this, like I struggled with with the thoughts of how my abuser interpreted scriptures because yeah. they interpreted scriptures as honor your father and mother. And back and, them up. And, you know, all the verses that back them up and all the verses that would help me are completely gone, right? Yeah. But they're all seen through a certain lens. And for sure, that those were some of the hardest things for me as a Christian to wrestle with on the way out. Yeah. And so he, he's saying, well, that's God's voice. Well, maybe it's his voice. Yeah. Like like starting it off with students of the Bible puts the authority of the people that they deem. This is like, it, it puts them in charge. Yeah. Because it's like, well, I'm the one who studied the Bible for 40 years. Yeah. Like, well, I'm 25. Like, I, okay, I'm not 25. But like, yeah. I'm 25. <laughs> so like, uh... I guess I have to listen to you because you've studied it for 40 years. Yeah. That's like, it's just your fucking age. Yeah. Like, it yeah. doesn't mean that you understand it better. Yeah. <laughs> and that's interesting that you jump there to authority because that's exactly what I was thinking when I was reading this is that he probably considers this to be, you know, a Bible study. And he's got verses in there. I mean, half this paragraph was a, was a verse. I just skipped it because like it didn't make it. It's it, triggering. <laughs> well, it wasn't relevant to what he was saying. Yeah, but it gives authority. But it gives authority. And he uses verses throughout. He uses one twice about faithful are the wounds of a friend. He's taking it out of context. The second time he uses it, he really uses it out of context. And then, as we'll see, most of what he bases this on is anecdotal experience. Uh. He's going to say, in my experience as a pastor, and he'll use that over and over as his authority. And if you step back for a second and listen to what pastors actually say and where they put their strong point... It's almost always, I've realized this, it's almost always in their personal anecdotal authority. They'll say, in my experience as a pastor, and then blah, 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 or they'll, you know, I had this experience with my kids, it was very cute, blah, 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 hey, you know, Proverbs says this. And it's like, they're not using Proverbs for what they're saying. They're using their anecdotal experience. And that's taught as being good because it keeps people's attention and gets them to remember what you're saying. And that's fine. But is it that the illustration or yeah. is that the authority? Yeah. Which and what he's first? using here, he's doing a very light, very clumsy Bible study. He's not looking into the original languages. He's not looking at the original culture. He's not using anything. He's using his personal authority or his anecdotal experience. And then he's leaning on his own authority. Hey, I'm the pastor. I'm the guy that has the answers. And if you're a, you know, a woman 
in a conservative circle. If you're a yeah. child, yeah, you can't. if you're just a parishioner, hey, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an elder, whatever. A lay person. If yeah. you're a lay person, you don't have the authority. You're not a student of the Bible. Exactly. Ah. And as Protestants say that, you know, oh, we're, we don't believe in Catholicism and, and whatever, we believe that we're all priests, but in reality... They're still a leader. The the leader is the one that gets to tell you what what to, what to believe. And when he says biblical, what he really means is, these are my ideas. And yeah. Stick them. yeah. So number three is what spurred me on this initially, down this path, <laughs> but it's financial storm. Yeah. So he says, everyone has times in their lives when they encounter storms. Sometimes we don't even see them coming and we're blindsided. But other times we see it coming, but we're still helpless to do anything about it. Is that you? Is God using a financial <laughs> difficulty to get your attention? Have you not been giving to others or to even anyone? Maybe it, as in the church probably. <laughs> Maybe it's something else. Getting near the bottom dollar is scary. That will get your attention. Like, how do you link that to God trying to get your attention? So can we just point out that there's, there's not a single verse in this, you know, again, like he's just pulling it out of the air and saying financial storm, but you've already seen a few verses. And if you're going quick, you just think, oh yeah, this is all biblical. And it seems biblical and we've heard it over and over yes. and over and over in Christian circles. Yeah. And we have seen it with Bible verses before, mm -hmm. but what a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. Like, this is life. Life is not perfect. If you follow God, your life is still not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to, you're still going to have financial troubles. You might still lose a job. You might still go bankrupt. No matter how careful you are, you're going to have financial storms, even if you're like a super dedicated Christian. Yeah. So this is, again, this is hoovering. This is, this is an abuser trying to pull that person back. What, in an abusive relationship, messages that, for example, an abusive husband might tell a spouse is, you'll never be happy without me. You'll, nobody will ever, you know, everybody's going to hate you. You'll be rejected. You'll have financial troubles. You know, you'll, nobody will trust you. Everything in your life is going to fall apart away from me, right? This is what an abuser will tell his wife so that when she starts to leave, and it is going to be financially difficult, and it's going to be a transition, and She's going to have bad days and all these things. She's going to hear those messages and think, oh, he was right. Yeah. The only place I can be happy is with him, with my abuser. Yeah. This is hoovering. This is that attempt not to lift you up, but to beat you down until you get to a place where you're going to come back, come crawling back yeah. to your abuser. And this is, he's controlling people through a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Because what happens if you leave the church and all of a sudden you're doing great financially? <laughs> what what would the what would the Christian answer be? Good job for being wise and how you're no, handling no, no. your finances. If oh. if somebody leaves the church and then all of a sudden oh, they get lots well, of money. Oh, well, money is the root of all evil. Yeah, I mean either they're sinning or Satan's sending all this stuff to tempt them, right? Ah. But what happens if they leave the church and bad things happen? Well, you asked for it, you left the church. Right. What happens if you stay in the church and bad things happen to you? It praise God for all trials that bring you closer to it's him. It's a test. It's and a test. Satan. Or no, 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 no. Yeah. It's Satan trying, Satan's trying to... to pull you away. <laughs> Satan's trying to pull you away. What Spiritual I... warfare. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> pray the victory. But a hedge of protection around our finances, Amen. God. <laughs> What we're doing is so important. This proves how important our we work is. We need this is. money to support the church Satan, building. Satan is trying to destroy <laughs> this because it's so important. That's why we don't have the money, right? But if something good happens when you're in the church. Praise God. That's God, right? So you see how there's this double standard, right? Yeah. It fulfills the prophecy no matter which way you flip it. Yeah. You're if right. If you leave the church, it proves... Good or bad, it proves that you shouldn't have left the church. If you stay in the church, good or bad, it proves that you should have stayed in the church. No wonder you end up feeling so messed up in the mind, like with these mind games. It yes. becomes mind games because there's no way out. There's no way to satisfy the voices. No. There's no way. There's no way. You ah, just have to... That's how it was in my home growing up. Yeah. Like, there's no way to you satisfy his desires. You feel trapped. Very. Huh. That is what... That's... I mean, and that's, I mean, I spent like a year and a half in this absolute mental soup. Yeah, you, and you did. were there. Like oh, I was yeah. just, I was a mess. I'd have to take 
days off work. I was on, I was taking therapy. I was on meds. Migraines. And migraines. And like I'd have these migraines where I would just be like flat out for a day and a half. And yeah. my mind was just spinning and I was having these weird dreams and I was journaling like crazy. Like I was just a mess. Yeah. And it's because of this kind of stuff. Yep. Because narcissistic tactics are real. It's it is so mind real. control. It is. It is mind fuckery. Yeah. And it absolutely, I mean, I'm on the other side of it now, but that sort of stuff really messes you up. So when we were having all these financial troubles or not necessarily financial, but you know, like all these things in the house and it was financial mm -hmm. affecting, um, I had to just remind myself over and over instead of listening to those voices telling me it's because I was backsliding from the church, I had to tell myself over and over, this is life. Yeah. Sometimes life sucks. Yeah. And sometimes things come in waves mm -hmm. and so be it. Don't read yeah. into it. This yeah. is just life. And like, guess what? Right now it's better mm -hmm. and it's fine, you yeah. know? And, and I feel like it was even less stressful than, than some of the financial heartaches we had while in missions and full-time yeah. ministry. Because I knew it was just life mm -hmm. and I knew we would deal with it and we'd figure it out and we'd make it work. Whereas in the church, it was always like, well, how, what is God trying to say? How, yeah. what is going on here? Like, what is God, 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 God. Yeah. Whereas now it's just like, okay, we just got to figure out how to work it yeah. out. And we did. And that's, um, like life is random. Yeah. Like it, it, this is actually a really big concept because even like visually, when you look at the world, what you see is your brain making sense of that because the world is too chaotic for you to comprehend unless your brain makes sense of it. And there's yeah. a whole big science of like focus. And what happens in our life is chaotic. There is no grand master plan or, you know, you have a plan, but things happen. Shit happens, right? Yep. And so we try and create order because we have to have some sort of order. We That's have to have some sort of That's where a lot of, of these religious things come in. It is. That is kind of at the root of why we have religion is to create a, a, a meta narrative a story over all the stories yeah but what this is doing right here is creating a bad story that the only place you're gonna be happy is with me yeah and that's absolutely bullshit. control and it's bullshit <laughs> yeah all right the next one he says number four out of the seven ways that god's trying might be trying to get your attention is a lack of peace I heard one man who was thinking about going on the mission trip. Anecdotal experience. Go ahead. To, no, no, that's great. To South America. He was prepared, well equipped, and had to raise all the funds necessary, as missionaries sometimes do. We know that. <laughs> but as he got closer to departure, he didn't have peace about it. He couldn't explain it, but he knew he wasn't supposed to go on this trip. He ends up not going, and his wife falls terribly ill. If he had left, he would have left behind his spouse, who was not gravely ill. When you don't have peace about something, it may be God telling you, no, wait, or I've got something better. That's it. That's what he's saying about how God may be trying to get your attention. So again, there's this tactic of, hey, are you feeling, you know, um, chaotic inside? Are you feeling dark? Are you feeling all these feelings? Maybe that's God trying to get, yeah. get hold of you. When it's, like, maybe it's just the narcissist fucking with your head yeah. by proxy. Or like this guy, like he's suddenly not sure about going on this trip. Like maybe he's just has anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's just scared yeah. of going on the plane and going to a country he doesn't know and maybe even a language he doesn't speak and a culture he and a poor country and he's just fucking scared and he can't admit it except mm -hmm. to that inner peace God is trying to tell me I shouldn't go. It's like, no, it's just your gut. Yeah. It's just your fucking gut trying to tell you not to go. Yeah. Like, don't spiritualize stuff. That's just life. <laughs> and that's, I mean, through this journey, we've done hypnotherapy and we've done other things that have, we read the, the book, The Gift of Fear, which was a really helpful book. And it helped us understand that we do have a gut. You know, you have an inner sense, an yeah. intuition. And as Christians, we tend to call that God or else we call it demons. We're not sure what to call it, but everything is spiritual. When it's like, okay, maybe this person should have a moment and say, I feel really anxious about this. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Maybe there's something in your gut. Your gut is an amazing thing. Your subconscious mind is an amazing thing. Maybe at some level he knew his wife was sick yeah. and his gut was trying to get his attention. Yep. That happens, exactly. right? Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was just his gut. 
Um, but um, the tactic here, and I do want to stay focused on that, the tactic is, again, hoovering, where he's trying to say, because you feel emotionally distraught, that's God trying to bring you back. When the emotional distress is caused by the abusive system and the abusive right. person. Yeah. And so that, again, is this tactic to try and get people back. And, and I want to say something else. When I was reading the story the first time, which actually was just now. <laughs> we thoroughly I, read our articles oh, before yes. we... <laughs> it, was, it was... I really thought he was going to say that his wife got sick because he didn't go on his trip. And he was supposed to go on his trip. Because oh, I've heard anecdotal stories like right. that before. Yeah. So it's like, so he raised all the funds and he was well prepared and he was all ready to go. But he, he chickened out. And yeah. he didn't go, so then his wife fell sick. Uh, and that's because of his disobedience. Right. So see, look what you can do you with can an adult anything you experience. Want with an experience. And I've heard that story before yeah. where someone's kid died. Like they yeah. died because they because they the family got too scared to go to this country as mm -hmm. missionaries that had snakes. So then these two of their kids died of snakes in the States. And they're like, That's because they didn't they were too chicken to go. Like, what kind of bullshit is that? And mm -hmm. victim blaming. Yeah. So Reading the story, it could have gone either way and be used yeah. to say whatever you wanted to say. Which is why you don't list, you don't put your confidence and faith in people that use anecdotal experience. I actually don't think that you should try and build a religious system of do's and don'ts from the Bible. I think that that is a misuse of the Bible. But if you're going to be part of a system that builds a, builds a belief system of do's and don'ts, at least follow somebody that's consistent. This isn't even consistent. No, He's not. just like pulling things out of the air. And yeah. this is... This is not just him. This is super, super typical. Yeah. Number five. A Damascus Road experience. Sometimes it takes a Damascus Road experience to knock us on the ground and put temporary limits on us, like Jesus did with Saul. Saul was blinded for three days until he could finally see. And you know that must have gotten Saul's attention. Saul was later renamed Paul because Saul means destroyer, which he was for a time with the church. But now, having had having had to be humbled by the blinding light of Jesus' Shekinah glory. <laughs> oh, Shekinah! That sentence is so wrong all along, <laughs> like grammatically. It's like, I don't know Greek, but I'm going to throw Shekinah in there just so it makes people me look think like I know. A Bible student. <laughs> not Greek, Hebrew. <laughs> he would have to depend on others for a time. God may not send a Damascus Road encounter, but that encounter can look like any number of different things. DUI, jail, prison, cancer, cancer. etc. <laughs> so what stands out to you about that? Cancer is the same as jail. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay. Dr drunk under the influence, you deserve what you get. Going to jail, hopefully that's for something you deserve. Going to prison, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Cancer. Cancer. It's because it's a fallen world and our bodies aren't perfect. Or you've been playing with plutonium, in which case. <laughs> or you're not listening to science and. <laughs> Take this remedy. <laughs> oh, man. But like any experience. Again, this, this hits the same thing as finances. Mm -hmm. Where like life just happens. Life just happens. Sometimes you get struck with sickness yeah and there's no reason it may not even be related to how you eat and how mm -hmm. picky you are or how you exercise it may not be related to whether you take plexus or not <laughs> <laughs> you're just sick yeah because guess what it happens it's, it, happens. it happens it's it's the world we live in yeah. nobody has perfect health no matter what their faith is yeah. like anybody's prone to cancer mm -hmm. like it, it's just part of our life mm -hmm. so to use that as like god's trying to get attention again mm -hmm. is like anything that happens in your life that's slightly abnormal oh god's trying to get my attention yeah. what did i do wrong now yeah got sent to the principal office mm -hmm. <laughs> and i wanted to point out he just hints at this but this sort of communication from narcissists they throw in these hints and i just want to draw this out because i think it's intentional he mentions, and there was no need for him to mention this, that Paul's name was changed from Saul to Paul. And he says, Saul means destroyer, which mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure about that interpretation. 
Usually words have several interpretations, not just one word. Maybe far-fetched. Um, but one <laughs> interpretation might be destroyer. And he's saying Paul was a, a destroyer of the church, which he was. He was dragging people out of homes. He was killing people. He was throwing people in prison. He was, he was a Pharisee. Right? He was Yeah, he was a Pharisee and he yeah. was doing bad things. But the way it's put in this is hinting at people destroying the church by leaving it. Uh, so you see how that guilt uh, lands on you? Because you're a destroyer of the church, now this judgment's going to come. Oh, so like all our podcasts, we've had over 8,000 listens. <laughs> and I was thinking about that when I heard, when I saw we had 8,000 listens. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're being false teachers. <laughs> What's the consequences for being false teachers well according to this guy our life's gonna be chaos <laughs> yeah well actually i'm gonna to respond to that right away <laughs> my first gut reaction is to say exactly what paul said when he was accused of being a false teacher is i have lived with a clean conscience before uh, god and men and we i do well. not feel as though i'm teaching anything false well that's I feel because as though i'm being 100 percent <laughs> true to jesus yes. in this yeah. I know you have a different journey and different... And that's fine. Yeah. But I agree. Like, I I just had this thought pop in because, again, mm -hmm. old voices. Yeah. But it it didn't grab me. It was just kind of chuckled at it. Well, that is this. That is the message that's yeah. being communicated here yeah, and that we've exactly. heard time and again is that false teachers destroy the church. That's why people are going to hell to yeah. burn forever. It's because of false teachers like yeah. you and like I. Like us. <laughs> <laughs> and also there's this... There is, uh, although he sounds a little bit rambly, there is, um, and rambling, by the way, is a tactic called a it word salad. Is. Word salad. You get all confused and you're trying to figure out what he's talking about. Was he talking mm. about destroyer? He's talking about what, where is he? He's got somebody's taking a missions trip. What's going on? Word salad, confuse you. But there is a progress. And the progress is there was this mention that God might try and get your attention. Now it's a threat. Oh. Now it's turned into a threat. Um, sometimes it takes a Damascus Road experience to knock us off our feet. Um, certainly that will get our attention. God might not send a Damascus Road encounter, but that encounter can look like any number of different things. And then he mentions things, throws cancer in there. Wow. So now there's this threat. You see how that, that yeah. tactic works? And All everybody's of a sudden we're scared, scared of cancer. Of course. Who's not scared of cancer? Because it random. And it's it random. takes you by surprise and you're not expecting it. Yeah. It's like people used to fear lightning. Before they understood it. Right. Somebody's walking along, he gets hit by lightning. Why'd that happen? Yeah. Well, today's lightning is cancer. We still don't really know why it happens. And then we progress to... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. A way that God may be trying to get your attention is death. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, let me read this. It's a little bit longer. How can the death of a person be used by God to get someone's attention? The fact is, when I presided, when I presided over a funeral and told them that they would never see their loved ones again unless they repent and believe. Oh my gosh, it's so terrible. <laughs> a few came up to me after the service and asked me what about what I said. Well, of course. How stupid of him. Anyway, the person who was laid to rest. <laughs> I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> had trusted in Christ. And so I told him that Jesus said, even if a person dies, they will live again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's been to Sunday school. Yes. He's gracious. <laughs> so, and the so, little person on the flannel graph goes up. <laughs> up from the grave he arose. <laughs> With a mighty giant forest falls. <laughs> We, are, we were good Christians. <laughs> so their only, they, their only hope of seeing their loved one again was if they put their trust in Christ. Then not even death can separate them from the love of God. For believers, the death of a family or friend is not goodbye, but see you later. However, for the person who rejects Christ, that is the last time they will ever see their loved one because they will be with the Lord and the lost person will forever be cut off from God. Woo! That's a big doozy. It is a big doozy. 
It's like, unless you believe what I said and what this dead person said. Yeah. According to what I say. Yeah. Then you will never see this person forever. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so you just kind of It's like, hit, I know. <laughs> I know we're laughing, but it's a coping yeah. mechanism as well. But like he, he is through this, he's using a vulnerable state. He's aiming because who's the easiest person to indoctrinate with your doctrine? It's someone who's vulnerable mm -hmm. and a vulnerable person has just lost someone to death. Yeah. Because even if you say that you're a believer and it's a see you later, my gosh, you are being completely sweeping everything under the carpet. Yeah. If you're not grieving yeah. and mourning that loss, because for the rest of your earthly life, you will not see this person again. Yeah. That's a lot of moments and memories lost. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of grief. And he completely goes over that and turns it around to be like, this is to just to get someone's attention. It's like, mm -hmm. God will kill someone to get someone else's attention? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a God is that that would, yeah. that would treat... I mean, the Bible, the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What sort of a God would take one of his people that he cares about and just kill him or her to get somebody else's attention as it's a ridiculous. punishment? ridiculous but now this is this is victim blaming yeah. now anything that happens as this person is is thinking about this leaving church trying to find health trying to find their way away from this abusive person this abusive relationship this abusive form of christianity what if somebody dies in their life the message they've been told is if somebody dies when you're on the bad path that's your fault <gasps> uh. Can you imagine parents that are oh, that's that what I was thinking. are losing their young child to cancer or an accident or, or sickness, and then it's like, what did you do exactly to deserve the death of your child? Yeah. That, oh. like you said, like he's bumped up the threats <clears throat> mm -hmm. to maximum level. Yeah. This is absolutely trying to destroy the person and use any tactic necessary to say, if you leave, you will never be happy. You are cutting off relationships with all the people that bring you happiness and you might even cause them to die Ugh. unless you come back to us and do things our way. This is God trying to get your attention. Bullshit, it's God. That this just is... makes me really angry. Yes. This is Pastor whatever in his narcissistic bullshit but this sort of thing honestly these ideas maybe not as explicitly stated but these sorts of ideas are all over the place they are we're using this article to to spring off of yeah because it's laid out in a way that's easy to use <laughs> yeah but it it is all over it is all over yeah that's yeah. why we're talking about it number seven he has bonus content but this we... is also his seventh way right I, but it's his bonus. He can't count. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a prisoner, anecdotal experience. This is what he's saying. Who our church ministers to, and he was really down because he was sent from a county jail to a state prison, and he couldn't figure out why God was doing this. It was only later when I came to visit him that we both saw what God was doing. He had allowed this man to go to a state prison so that I could visit him. And then later, <laughs> so that I could. it's all about me. They answered all of all your problems are all about me. The entire prison allowed us to minister to, to all who sought counsel or biblical guidance. The prison even allowed me to preach to the inmates. So, I, I. So when this man's apparent evil sent him to a prison. <gasps> Oh, it's only a parent evil. Yes. Oh. Well, he's my friend, so really he's not such a he's bad person. He's blameless. If you're in my circle, you're blameless. That's how it works. Probably pedophile. <sighs> Sorry. And not, I, I bet you're right. And neither of us could understand. It was only later that we saw God wanted us to go into this prison as we were commanded to do. God in was, Matthew 25. In Matthew, yeah. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. <laughs> God was trying to get the gospel into the prison, but he had to use another means for us to enter. So what looked like a bad thing for this inmate brought much good to those who have never heard the gospel preached. Genesis wow. 50, 20. What in the world does that have to do with the gospel? <laughs> Genesis 50, 20. Genesis doesn't have the gospel because the gospel is in the <laughs> New like Testament. 2,500 years before the gospel, buddy. 
This is how you're this a biblical pastor. You just throw references like, all over the place. It's all about him. Like, I got to preach there thanks to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm like, God was trying to get the gospel into the prison. It's like, God is not limited to the. <laughs> and now that I've, I've, I've stepped out and I see things from a different perspective, I'm like, the whole evangelical mission is to get people to believe certain ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Jesus' mission was about helping people love one another and changing the way that they live their lives and teaching them to be aware of religion because religion is going to poison That's everything. That's what the Pharisees of the time were the religious group of the yeah. time. Evangelicalism is not a religious group of the time. It's like they want to get into these prisons so that they can convince people to believe that they're sinners and that God is holy and then you got to repent for your sins people. and then you gotta you got to say the prayer and then you're, you're, you're all good. Like, do you teach them how to reform their behaviors? No kidding. Do you teach them what you did was wrong? You're you're not just an apparent sinner, as he says. No, sure. actually, you probably really fucked up or else you wouldn't be in jail. And not sent to a state prison. And not sent to a state prison. So who are the people that you've hurt? How can you change your behaviors? Yeah, how can you right. stop? I mean, he's probably hanging out with this person because he's a narcissist. person in prison is a narcissist. Hey, we get along great. Turns out that, you know, God's grace covers us all. Grace is yeah. such a wonderful thing. I can be a sinner but still be loved. Yeah. Anyways, that's... So there's the seven points of how <sighs> God might be trying to get your attention. So he's got a conclusion to draw it all together. All right, tell me about it. Hopefully God won't have to take such drastic measures to get my attention. <laughs> but... <laughs> Sorry. To get my attention. <laughs> See how he surprised you there, hey? That's the word salad thing. He expected to say your attention, but he said my attention. Yeah. But he must do it if I keep ignoring him. Living in sin will bring God's discipline, but it's a discipline that is motivated out of love and not anger. Any parent who loves their child will prove their love by disciplining them. And so when we see that God is trying to get our attention, we had better take notice. Otherwise, God may shake our life up a little more until we fall on our knees if I keep praying and reading the Bible every day, it may help. But don't forget about your friends who love you. And in their love, they seem concerned about something you're doing. Friends are born for such adversity. May God blessly rich you. Uh, may God richly bless you. Pastor, Pastor Jack, Jack Wellman. Wellman. He's not Wellman. <laughs> <laughs> it's just insane. Like it, he's like... Keep praying and reading the Bible every day. It might help you, but it's not enough. <laughs> you also, you also need gotta listen your, to your friends. friends that are also my flying monkeys that are going to yeah. only listen to the ones that are hurting you with their words, he said earlier. So Those are the real friends. When I look through, think through all these points of how God's trying to get your attention, maybe trying to get your attention, it's everything in life. Mm-hmm. It covers everything. Yeah. Everything in life. From financial problems to inner peace to death like everything Mm -hmm. everything so anything that happens in your life if you're trying to step out of the brainwashing Mm -hmm. like anything you're trying to that's happening in life it it, it's god trying to get your attention no Mm -hmm. wonder it's such a mind game struggle and so intense and hard to leave yeah and to find our true self Mm-hmm. And when you're born into it, like us, it's like we have to find our true self for the first time. Yeah. Because we don't even have it before to think about. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, we were indoctrinated into this way yeah. of thinking. That's heavy. It is heavy. This is what causes religious trauma syndrome. Yeah. And there's no wonder there's such a close connection between um, healing from narcissistic abuse and healing from religious trauma yeah because so for this us, is the same thing exactly for us healing both from narcissistic abuse in our past and from religion religious trauma mm-hmm. there's such a close connection and we yeah. see it because we've been sensitive sensitized to all of it yeah. so well mm-hmm. so you read through this and you're it just screams narcissistic abuse yeah but it's all coded in in religion yeah Something I really wanted to draw out here is, well, for one thing, he's normalizing domestic abuse. Yeah. I mean, if there's somebody in his church that's literally abusing their children, like beating them, there's, I mean, he has all the protection he needs. Yeah, because he is supposed to be like God and God disciplines his kids. Yeah. 
How and he'll escalate it until he has their attention. Yeah. Even if it means killing one of them. Yeah. <gasps> so I mean, I've heard, I've heard sermons on spankings. I've heard it mentioned over and over. I've never heard a sermon on abuse. I've never heard anybody tell the audience, including children, when it if if you ever get spanked, and you know with an object or it leaves a mark or, you know, this this is abuse. Like, yeah. it's not defined. It's just, you, there's a free reign often given to parents, yep. but no protections given to children. Even no. though those very verses, the next verse says, do not lead your children to anger and do not exasperate your children. Never hear that verse. You never hear the second half of the same fucking verse. Yeah. And it's repeated twice in Ephesians and uh, Colossians, I believe. The other message that comes through loud and clear is that love equals pain. If you truly love your children, you will show it through how you discipline them. And like God loves us so much that if you're not close enough to his liking, he'll bring all this BS in your life. Yeah. Now, a narcissist will absolutely cause you pain. Yeah. To enforce his rules over you. And when you're when you're in the orbit of a narcissistic person and you're in abuse there's something called um, trauma cycles where they will abuse you and hurt you and yell at you and treat you like trash and tear you down and then when you're in that position of being absolutely defeated and and garbage and maybe physically being beat up and being hurt they will come back and treat you with love and compassion and nurse you back to health emotionally or physically and the cycle will repeat over and over and over. It's called a trauma cycle. And that can actually create a codependent relationship where the abuser needs that release of endorphins and, and needs to have that happen. But also the victim needs that. And they can become as addicted to the lows as they become addicted to the highs. Their body feels like it's time It's time for the next thing. And, and it can become this, this cycle. And that's why you have people, and this is, you never blame victims because somebody can become so conditioned to a trauma cycle. Maybe it's from their childhood. Maybe it's from a terrible relationship with an adult. But then they go on often to another person that will do the same thing because they have this craving. Right. And that's, you know, this message that love is pain that comes through in this. That's the abusive message. If I, I, I'm doing this because I love you, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. <sighs> Look what you made me do. Ugh. You know, all these messages are so dysfunctional, so hurtful, and they come across the pulpit all the time. And yes, there's verses that can be interpreted that way. But, you know, th this is just so terrible for people. It is. It, it's just absolutely terrible and it came through earlier when he said uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend and, and your true friends are the ones that are going to hurt you oh yeah that's what he literally said that's true yeah and parents are going to show their love by hurting you hurting you by the way in hebrews just a quick study the word discipline does not mean hit huh. it means train so i'm being disciplined at work meaning i'm being mentored into the position now you oh, can you can take that and say, well, discipline means because I mean, it, it in, can mean that in higher education, isn't that what the word discipline is used for? Like you, you choose a discipline. I'm choosing of, a discipline. Yeah. yeah. I mean, be, <laughs> I'm not choosing being to be mentored. I mean, I, I take the kids out to the garage and I and I train them in how to do things, you know, and and sure, like if they start running around with a power saw, I might like yell at them, but. <laughs> You know, there, there is some element Not out of, of anger, out of right, protection. Right, there is some element of discipline or, or like the hard part of it. But the bigger idea is if you really love a child, you're going to invest in them and help them become the best version of who they are. Yeah. Okay, I want to mention quickly the last thing. May God richly bless you. Pastor <laughs> Jack Wellman. That to me, when I read that, I had this this feeling of like kind of this pink cloud coming in my head and feeling like somebody I used to play a lot of chess and and you'd be playing chess and you focused on your game and then somebody would say checkmate and you have that moment of like what the fuck and the other person's smiling at you until you figure out what's happening you know I had that combination of like somebody just said checkmate this pink fog in my head I don't know what's going on 
when you have that feeling, I don't know if I've been describing it to you very well, but that's usually what how you feel when you're being gaslit. Somebody is confusing you with their words because he said something flowery and nice, may God richly bless you. That's the way you would conclude a letter of encouragement. That's wow. the way that you would conclude a letter of like, I just want to tell you how special you are. You're made in God's image. You're my beloved child. And I see all this potential in you, blah, blah, blah. May God richly bless you. That's not the letter he wrote. No. That's not the, the what he, how he should have concluded that is, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> yes. Because that's Actually, the, that would fit better. That's actually what he said, is yes. you're going to hell unless you change. So may God have mercy <laughs> on your soul, mate. <laughs> because I sure don't. Um, <laughs> so that, you know, gaslighting can be really subtle or it can be more pronounced. But in this case, what, what I think he did is he just tags this Christianese, God bless, richly bless you thing at the end. And it confuses you because now all of a sudden you feel as though you feel as though you, what you should be saying is, thank you so much, Pastor, for this message. Instead of saying, oh. hey, hold on a second. Can we have a conversation about some of those things? I didn't like some of those points. You're all of a sudden, your instinct is to say, thanks. You're not really sure <laughs> what, you know, that's what gaslighting does. Yeah. That's what word salad does. Is And then he says, Pastor, Jack, exactly. which is like authority. And I do notice he's got no letters after his name. Anybody could call themselves pastor. Anybody can. Call, <laughs> I mean, I'm not putting my authority in the fact that I have a bachelor's or a master's, but, you know, it kind of feels as though if he had something like that, he would put it behind his name. But he doesn't. <laughs> He's just Pastor Jack. Might be for a reason. Yeah. Wow, quite a ride. Quite a ride. Do you miss it? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that with time, I've been able to silence some of those voices or not they're not completely silenced but they're less clear they mm -hmm. scream less loudly in my head mm -hmm. and so there's hope for you guys out there too yeah like it i got a long ways to go mm -hmm. because those voices are still there and i think they can be silenced more yeah but there's hope there's and to be hope. able to look through this to read through this without feeling any amount of guilt or shame or pull yeah towards what they say is truth that's progress. It is progress. Seeking health. Yeah. And and I think that the helpfulness of our podcast is to say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm reading all this and I'm like, I'm still a Christian. I just think that you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. But I think that Jesus would call you, you know, all the things that, you know, whitewashed tomb and, and you brood of vipers and, you know, all those things that Jesus, that's what, that's what that is. It's a whole bunch of horse shit. I think that you can be a Christian and find health. You think you can you know, find health in other ways. Both are open to you. Yeah. But this is bullshit. <laughs> so have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Seek health, everyone, in whatever way that Seek is health. Don't let to you. narcissistic brainwashing get to you. No. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See what we did there with that? Bye. Thank God richly bless you. <laughs> the end. <laughs>